Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Christchurch this sunny autumnal morning. Um, Peter has a couple of notices. Uh, we've got uh, an all-age service uh, this morning at 10.45, uh, so do pray for that as that happens a bit later. Uh, one prayer meeting tonight at 7 o'clock, uh, we've got a lot to pray into, to pray about, so please do come to that if you are able to, that's 7pm tonight. Uh, please note next Sunday is a joint service at 10 o'clock, uh, that's marking the end of the Big Green Week. Uh, be praying for Mark Underwood, who's preaching at the Methodist Church this Sunday, in fact, today. Uh, so do, do, do be praying for him. Um, so he'll be our preacher here next week. Uh, that's 10 o'clock. And it's Harvest Sunday as well, remember, please. So, uh, or don't remember, but be informed. Um, so if you are able to bring uh, <coughs> any non-perishable goods for that, that would be good. Uh, and those will be given to uh, the Shrewsbury Food Bank. Uh, if you are wanting to know uh, a list of what those goods are that are particularly needed by the food bank, if you look at the news sheet that came out this week, um, there's a list of particular items that are, that are wanted at this time uh, for you for your information. Thank you. Thank you, Peter. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Let's say our opening prayer together. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Please stand if you're able and we'll join together in our first hymn, Immortal, Invisible God, Only Wise.
our Lord Jesus Christ said, the first commandment is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the only Lord. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Amen. Lord, have mercy. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to be our advocate in heaven, and to bring us to eternal life. Let us confess our sins in penitence and faith, firmly resolved to keep God's commandments and to live in love and peace with all. We say our confession together. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life. To the glory of your name. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. All these things come and read from 1 Peter 5 today, and then Peter is going to come. reading is taken from the Apostle Peter, chapter 5, beginning to be the first one. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the, God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, 
because he cares for you. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Morgan. Let's pray for Peter as he comes up to share the word he's prepared. So, Father, we ask for your anointing on Peter as he brings the word he has prepared to us today. Lord, may we have ears to hear and hearts that are open to receive from you. Thank you. Well, we're drawing towards the end of our look at the letter of 1 Peter, and in fact we've only got one more sermon on this letter in this series, uh, which will be the week after next, as I say, Mark is preaching on a different theme next week, uh, Big Green Week. Uh, but I wonder if you've noticed, as we've looked at it, as we've read it, as we've studied it, uh, you've, have you noticed how personal a letter it is? Uh, it's not particularly um, clearly personal in the first few chapters, but when you get to chapter 5, it becomes a very personal uh, letter that really stands out. And Peter knows, of course, who he's writing to. He's, he's writing to the churches in exile, uh, and he knows those churches in exile are not finding it easy at all. And uh, we feel, don't we, that he is speaking to them from the heart, from his heart. Uh, if you look at uh, one of the final verses of the letter, uh, chapter 5, verse 12, uh, he writes, With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. And so he's, he's saying to believers, he's saying, stand fast to the true grace of God in the face of persecution that they are facing, that they are encountering, that they have uh, uh, that's coming their way. And as I said last week, remember who is writing it is Peter. Uh, he's not an academic. He's not hiding away in an ivy tower. He, is, uh, he knows what suffering is. He's seen it. He's known it himself as a follower of Jesus through thick and thin. And recall that, that evocative moment earlier on in his life when he uh, met Jesus beside the Sea of Galilee. Remember, he, uh, he betrayed Jesus, didn't he, three times before the crucifixion. And then Jesus comes to meet him in that very evocative place at the Sea of Galilee, and he restores Peter to leadership. And he restores Peter to leadership amongst God's people, having denied his Savior three times before the crucifixion. It's John 21, 15 to 17. I'll just read it to remind you. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I, love, that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. I'm sure Peter never forgot that experience. I'm sure you'd never forget an experience like that either, would you? 
This is the Peter who is writing this letter. This is a personal letter he is writing. This St. Peter has learned humility and hope through bitter experience, through the face of persecution, through failure, through restoration, to a position of responsibility and authority. And one of the amazing things about Peter's personal letter to the churches in exile is that there's no evidence that he was ever involved personally, directly, amongst those churches he's writing to. He never, he never goes to them himself. He writes to them, yes. Another remarkable thing is the medium of his message, of the message. It's not what, just what he, what he says, it's how he says it that is important in his letter. And in his letter, he has given the, the, the churches an example of how to do the things he's writing about. How to live this life that he's writing about. His letter has humility and hope written all over it. And what has Peter been talking about again and again in his letter? Suffering and glory. Notice the way he introduced himself in verse 1 of our reading. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who also will share in the glory to be revealed. What does Peter tell us about himself? Two things he tells us. Firstly, that he is a witness. He's a witness of the suffering of Christ, the suffering that uh, Jesus bore for him, for us, for them. He's a witness of that suffering. Secondly, he says, he shares with them in the glory that, the glory that will be revealed when Jesus comes back. Suffering and then glory. That's the, the theme that goes throughout this letter. Suffering and then glory. Or put another, put another way around, it's the glory comes through the suffering. Peter can speak into their situation because he's been there. But even more importantly, he can speak... Uh, to their situation because he can personally witness to the fact that Jesus has been there. And as we've seen again and again over the course of these last few weeks, as a witness to the resurrection, Peter can witness with confidence to the future return of Jesus. If Jesus came back from the dead, which he did, Peter saw him with his own eyes, he will come back for the churches who are in exile. He will come back in all his glory at the time of the Father's appointing. And so now Peter turns his attention as he draws toward the end, the, the end of his letter to how the local church is to be led. He speaks directly to pastors, to elders, and then he speaks to the congregations. And the common thread in the way he addresses this is both to leaders and those who are being led is humility. Humility is the common thread through all this he says. Look at verse 5. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Humility is the key to how leaders are to lead and how people are to follow. Paul, of course, another uh, early church leader, very, very important church leader, 
uh, alongside uh, Peter, says near enough the same thing to the Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, uh, Paul says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And so both apostles say the same thing. They say, clothe yourselves with humility. Be humble, be gentle, be patient. Bear with each other in love. Which is very different, of course, to the way the world is, isn't it? The world says, if you want something, go and grab it. If it's out there, go and fight for it. If you want the top job, prove yourself. That's what the world says. But the spirit-filled life is the opposite to that. In the new life in Christ, it's the quality of our relationships that matter. It's how we relate to each other that will mark us out as different to the world. And so Peter says humility is the top priority. Which begs the question, what is humility? Uh, Leonard Bernstein, who I'm sure you all have heard of, uh, a famous American composer of West Side Story and the conductor of the New York Philharmonic Orchestra for many years, was once asked this question. What is the most difficult instrument to play in the orchestra? And Bernstein answered by saying the most difficult instrument to play is the second fiddle. Everybody wants the limelight of playing the lead violin, but nobody wants to play second fiddle. Humility is a difficult quality to define. But I think it's about us being teachable. It's about, I think, valuing the gifts of others. It's about valuing the ideas of others. In fact, it's about valuing others, full stop. It's, not a, it's about not being afraid to own up to being in the wrong. And living in a way that offers forgiveness to others. It's about having an attitude of gratitude, being thankful to God that we live in his creation. Someone said this about humility, and I think I agree. Pride sees how to knock people out of the way, whereas humility makes a way for others to prosper. So with all of that in mind, let's go back to 1 Peter 5 where he says, all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but shows favour to the humble. So Peter says we are to clothe ourselves with humility. Our clothes, what we wear, is often the first thing that people notice about us or see about us. What we're wearing is, is important. The fashion industry would say that it is the most important thing about anything because they want to sell clothes, obviously. A lot of people form an impression about us based on what we are wearing. And so Peter says he wants the church's first impression to those around them to, to be of humility. He wants people to see the humility that the church is dwelling in uh, and living in. He wants that to be the first, the second, the third impression etc. of the churches. But how? How are we to clothe ourselves with humility, as Peter says in verse 5? How are we to humble ourselves, as he says in verse 6? 
Well, he's already been trying to put that across in the first four verses of chapter 5. And then he speaks in verse 5 to those who are younger. And then finally he addresses in verses 5 to 7 all of you. And what Peter says to the elders is what Jesus has said to him. Jesus, the chief shepherd, said to Peter, tend my sheep. And so Peter says to the elders, be shepherds of God's flock. So Peter is speaking to the elders, or ministers, or pastors. And when I read these words, I'm reminded that these words are addressed to those who would lead a church. That's the calling I have as an ordained person, and specifically as vicar. And so I tremble as I read these words. I realize these words are addressed to the likes of me as I read and study these words. Jesus, the chief shepherd, says, said to Peter, tend my sheep. And so Peter says to the elders, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. It's the same word. And then Peter makes three contrasts between caring for people as God would have you do it, as in verse 2, and the alternative, which is letting the devil devour the church by using people for their own ends. And so he contrasts how it could be done. Firstly, he says, he says, Peter said to the pastors, be shepherds of God's flock, not because you must, but because you are willing. Or the message version puts it like this, not because you have to, but because you want to please God. That's the first thing he says to shepherds, to, to pastors. Uh, do it because you are willing. Secondly, Peter says to the pastors, be shepherds of God's flock, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Or again, the message version puts it like this, not calculating what you can get out of it, but acting spontaneously. And then thirdly, he says to the pastors of the churches, do not lord it over them. Do not lord it over those entrusted to you, but be examples to the flock. Again, the message puts it so well. Not bossly telling others what to do, but tenderly showing them the way. And so clearly Peter here is addressing, addressing people who the church has chosen to be pastors or priests or deacons or vicars or ministers, however you want to put it. The role of someone who has been given authority to lead and preach and preside in the church of God. And yes, in our context here, this is, myself as vicar, as, as associate minister. But is it reserved just for the two of us? Is this high standard of conduct and life only for those who wear a bit of plastic around their neck and who have sworn very solemn promises to the bishop? Well, I think Peter clearly had in mind those people with the greatest responsibility and authority, yes. But I suspect he would have said that these are principles for every believer, for every level of responsibility in the local church. So it isn't just for the vicar, it's not just for the associate minister, it's for everyone who has a leadership role in the life of the local church. 
And so I think this speaks to anyone who exercises leadership in any ministry, whether that's children's work or youth work or being a service leader or helping to lead the toddler group or leading a home group or popping the living room or pastoral work or PCC and so on. Do you see how this goes right through all levels of leadership? And even if verses 1 to 4 don't apply to you directly at this point in your life, then Peter still has a message for us. In verse 5 he says, In the same way, you who are younger must submit yourselves to your elders. What does that mean? Realize as I say this, pretty much everybody here is older than me. But I don't think Peter means you blindly accept every word that your elders say if it contradicts God's word. But this, this word is relevant to all of us and in any church because in any church there will be those who chafe at authority. And so these verses remind me of the very tricky verses I had to preach on earlier from Peter's letter in chapter 3. Do you remember? The chapter which begins, Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your husbands. Or go back further in the letter to chapter 2, where Peter says, Submit yourselves, for the Lord's sake, to every human authority. Peter has a lot to say on this subject of uh, of submission to authority, doesn't he? It's, it's a big theme in his letter. And so here he is talking about submitting to your elders. And so Dosha and I seek to lead well, and so you are asked to follow well. It's not, being, it's not mindlessly or blindly following, but with a mutual respect and a mutual concern for each other that builds up the body of Christ. And finally, in verses 6 and 7, he encourages the churches to humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxieties onto him, because he cares for you. As you know, Peter is a person who has known failure to the depths of his being. He's no failure in the face of persecution. He publicly denied Jesus three times because of the accusations of a slave around that fire in Jerusalem. But when Peter met with Christ, when Peter met with his Saviour, when he met with Jesus in that very personal encounter beside the Sea of Galilee, he was restored and given new hope and purpose. And so I've been dwelling on this this week and thinking this through and, 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 and asking God to, to help me see how this applies to us here. And I think God may be saying that this season we're in is a, a time where we need to humble ourselves. What does that look like, I wonder? It's about looking out for each other. It's about loving each other. It's about encouraging each other. It's about listening to each other. 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14 comes to my mind. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways, 
I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Last week at the 1045 service that Debbie was leading, there was a very powerful moment uh, in the service. Uh, We were given a little stone, a little pebble, uh, to symbolize that each of us are a living stone. Each of us is uh, a living stone in the the family of God, in the church of God. And and Debbie was reminding us, as, as we were thinking about last week's suffering, that God is with us in our suffering. And so we took this little pebble uh, individually back to our seat and we just we prayed over that and were quiet with God. And then we were invited to go and place it in a basket under the cross. To remember that Jesus is with us in our suffering. That Jesus doesn't leave us alone, that he is always with us in our suffering. And also that we rub alongside each other in our suffering. And Libby shared a very powerful thing at the end that it's as we rub alongside each other that we smooth each other as we live alongside each other. And this is what I think God is saying to us in this letter. God wants this church to be marked out as a place of humility and service and love and hope. It's here in the context of our relationships with each other, with our, our, our doings with each other, that we discover who God has called us to be for him. And what he's discovered, asking us to do for him. Each of us is different. Each of us is gifted differently. Each of us has different passions. Each of us has different motivations. But in the mix of all that, we call the body of Christ. God is building us up into maturity in him. And then we have that amazing, amazing verse at the end. Cast all your anxiety onto him because he cares for you. The New Testament word there, cast, quite literally is fling. It quite literally says fling your anxiety onto Christ. Cast your anxiety onto him because Jesus can take it. Jesus is strong enough to take it. Cast your anxiety onto him. And so as people of God, whether that is individually or together, we can live and learn and grow in our walk with Jesus the way of humility, the way of service, the way of hope, pointing others to Jesus and giving all the glory to We're going to sing about that love now. Remind ourselves what Jesus did for us on the cross. Let's stand together if you're able and sing how deep the Father's love for us.
going to spend a short time in intercession. When I say the words, Lord, in your mercy, please could you respond, hear our prayer. Lord, in your mercy. Creator God, we remember your church throughout the world. May your church be a place of welcome, of service, of humility, of love for all. Lord, in your mercy, hear us. Heavenly Father, we remember before you all those who are spending today in fear, or poverty, or hardship. We pray for those places affected by war and natural disasters. And we pray for the leaders of those nations and those who govern, that they would make good, wise decisions for the good of all their people. Lord, in your mercy, Loving Father, we pray for all those who are sick in body, mind or spirit. We pray especially for those known to each of us. Sustain all those who care for others and bless them with patience and compassion as they seek to bring your healing and peace. Lord, in your mercy. In a moment of quiet, we bring before God those things that are weighing on our hearts and minds this morning, offering them to our God who is always more than ready to listen Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. We say together the Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation he came down from was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again. 
again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. We're going to share the peace in a moment. If you would prefer folks to stay a little bit away from you, socially distanced is the word, then please remain seated. But if you would like to move around the church, please do, but please respect those who stay seated. God speaks peace to his people, to those who turn in him, turn to him in their hearts. The peace of the Lord be always with you and also with you. Let's share, offer one another a sign of his peace. We're going to use Eucharistic prayer E. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Father, you made the world and love your creation. You gave your Son, Jesus Christ, to be our Saviour. His dying and rising have set us free from sin and death. And so we gladly thank you with saints and angels, praising you and saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. We praise and bless you, loving Father, through Jesus Christ our Lord. And as we obey his command, send your Holy Spirit, that broken bread and wine outpoured may be for us the body and blood of your dear Son. 
On the night before he died, he had supper with his friends. And taking bread, he praised you. He broke the bread, gave it to them and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When supper was ended, he took the cup. Again he praised you and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. So, Father, we remember all that Jesus did. In him we plead with confidence his sacrifice made once for all upon the cross. Bringing before you the bread of life and the cup of salvation, we proclaim his death and resurrection until he comes in glory. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Lord of all life, help us to work together for that day when your kingdom comes and justice and mercy will be seen in all the earth. Look with favour on your people. Gather us in your loving arms and bring us with all the saints to feast at your table in heaven. Through Christ and with Christ and in Christ, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honour and glory are yours, O loving Father, for ever and ever. Amen. As our Saviour has taught us, so we pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that Christ died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. Most merciful Lord, your love compels us to come in. Our hands were unclean, our hearts were unprepared, we were not fit even to eat the crumbs from under your table. But you, Lord, are the God of our salvation, and share your bread with sinners. So cleanse and feed us with the precious body and blood of your Son, that he may live in us and we in him, and that we, with the whole company of Christ, may sit and eat in your kingdom.
body of Christ, keep you in eternal life. Amen. blood of Christ shed for you. Amen. And so we pray this prayer together following communion. Father of all, we give you thanks and praise that when we were still far off, you met us in your Son and brought us home. Dying and living, he declared your love, gave us grace, and opened the gates of glory. May we who share Christ's body live his risen life. We who drink his cup bring life to others. We whom the Spirit lights give light to the world. Keep us firm in the hope you have set before us, so we and all your children shall be free, and the whole earth live to praise your name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. And let's lift to the Lord those who can't be with us here today. Father, we pray for those who are unable to be with us in church this morning, through, for various reasons, uh, frailty, illness, Lord, we pray that you would be with them where they are right now. Touch them by your spirit. Heal and restore. In Jesus' name. Amen. And so we'll sing our final hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. Let's stand to sing together.
And so may Christ, the Son of Righteousness, shine upon you, scatter the darkness before your path, and make you ready to meet with him when he comes in all his glory. And the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rest upon you and be with you this day and always. Amen. And so we go in peace to love and to serve the Lord. In the name of Christ.